Hi, Kim is off this week, and as we said in a previous episode, it's a little busy right now, but we should be back at the same time very soon. This episode is being published out of order. This was ready. Femme Fatale was not. We'll be back with Femme Fatale next week. Welcome to the 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th TV Series Edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Kim. And these are the episode credits for Friday the 13th the Series, Season 3, Episode 10, Mightier Than Sword. Series created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams. Written by Brian Helgeland. Directed by Armin Mastriani. Original air date, January 8th, 1990. And also a reminder, dental work, not drunk. So we're back with Season 1. Episode 10, Mightier Than the Sword. This episode opens with a protest outside of a prison. There's a serial killer, Clint Fletcher, who's going to be put to death in probably 10 minutes. He supposedly killed 16 women, but there's a crime author there named Alex Dent. And he says that Clint killed 18 people. They just haven't found the other two bodies. He also says that he's the one who helped catch him. So he's going in to talk to Clint. Apparently he gets to talk to him before he dies or whatever. But this guy, the one who plays Alex Dent, is Calm Fiore. And he looks so familiar to me. When I looked him up, I did see that he was in the maestro. He was the lead in the maestro, which I totally forgot. He was the dance instructor. But he also plays Reginald Hargrove in the Umbrella Academy, which reminds me, I I never watched that last season. I don't know if it's the last season, but I never watched the last season release, so it reminds me I have to watch that. So Dent goes in to see Clint Fletcher. You know, Dent says that Clint Fletcher told him about the two women, although Clint Fletcher seems to be ready to attack Dent. It wasn't the relationship I envisioned when he said that this guy told him about the 18 kills and everything. You know, I was thinking about these relationships we see in TV shows where the author spends years talking to the prisoner and they kind of become, not friends, but they become confidants and the prisoner is giving him all his secrets because he wants this book to be written about himself. This doesn't seem like that relationship at all. Dent takes out some kind of pen and stabs Clint in the neck with it and draws blood. I'm guessing that the antique is the pen. And after he draws blood, first I thought he killed him, but then he wakes up and he seems to be a totally different person. Like he has no idea what's going on and he has no idea why they're executing him. So I'm guessing, I don't know, I have more than one guess. I'm guessing that either somehow Dent is using the pen to turn people into serial killers Obviously, this is all about him being a famous author because they keep going back and forth to the um, celebrations outside and the reporter saying he was captured by famous crime author Alex Dent. So that's supposed to be the end result of the use of this pen. But I, I don't know if Clint didn't do the killings and maybe Alex is doing the killings and he f- is framing Clint. Or if he's using the pen on Clint, so Clint does the killings, not knowing that he's doing the killings. Because after the execution, Alex was talking to a priest that was there. And he said, don't you think he deserved to die after everything he did? And the priest said something about evil. But Alex said, I believe evil just transfers from one person to another. So 
maybe the pen transfers evil into people who then go kill people and then Alex can write about them and become famous. That's what I'm guessing right now. At this point, that seems like the most logical explanation. I'm still not clear on who's doing the killing. Is he making these people kill or is he killing and making these people think they killed? I don't know. I'm leaning towards that he's somehow transferring evil into people to make them kill so he can help capture them and become more famous. That's my guess. So like I said, I'm doing this in pieces. So the last piece I was speculating on how the pen worked. And then I see that Dent injects, I don't know if he's injecting or taking out blood, but he stabs the priest with the pen. The priest passes out and when he wakes up, he asks him if he's okay. And he says, get some sleep. You'll feel like a new man tomorrow. So I'm guessing he's turning him into a serial killer because he also says, you'll be giving me another bestseller as the priest drives away. So I should have watched a little longer before I did all that speculation. So over at the store, Jack and Johnny are going to a talk by Alex Dent. And Johnny's interested because, as we remember, he's trying to be an author. And Jack actually compliments him on the last piece he did. Um, And it, it seems like their relationship is a little better. I always felt like Johnny and Jack, they just weren't, it wasn't like Jack and Ryan. Jack always seemed a little hostile to him or not even hostile. Like I always felt like Jack treated him like he wasn't one of the inner circle. You know, it was different when it was Jack, Ryan and Mickey. And maybe he just had to get used to a new person. But right now their relationship seems to have improved because they're going somewhere off hours by themselves without Mickey. Although they do finally do talk Mickey into going. (laughs) when Mickey does decide to go, um, Johnny says, oh, he'll turn your head around. So I have a feeling this is going to be one of those and just speculation. I haven't watched the rest of it. But I have a feeling he and Mickey are going to be an item in this episode. Alex Dent is giving a lecture at the Boyd Hotel. You want to go? That'd be interesting, Mickey. He's the best-selling author of that book on the Rocky Mountain Barber. Serial killers aren't really my idea of a good read. Oh, no, this guy's amazing. When he writes, he makes you feel like you're right there when the killing occurs. He's influenced my writing for the better. Hey, I read your last piece. That was pretty good. Really? Mm. Thanks. It's been a long haul. (laughs) Alex Dent makes it look so easy. Come on, Mickey, you'll have a great time. Yeah, come on. Uh, You won't regret it. This guy will turn your head around. So at the talk, Dent is trying to say that serial killing and evil is a disease that spreads from one person to another, that it's not learned behavior. And in the middle of this, Jerry Fletcher jumps up, who is Clint's brother, and accuses Alex of promoting killing and enjoying writing about the killing and encouraging people to act out their fantasies. So apparently he knows more about what's going on between the two of them than we do at this point. But, you know, Alex denies it. Jerry wants to know how he knows what was going on in his brother's head. But Alex says, you know, the more he screams, the more he's convincing the world that insanity runs in in his family. So this guy's kind of, he's kind of full of himself. And I think he was probably full of himself before he found this pen and became a famous author. So after Alex's guards drag Jerry out, Mickey looks upset. And to me, she looks upset at the way Alex treated Jerry. Alex goes on to announce the fact that at that time, there's another serial killer in the area. Johnny looks impressed by this guy and his announcement, which we know he already was impressed with him. He idolizes him. 
So maybe I'm speaking too soon, but maybe I was wrong about Mickey and Alex becoming an item. I thought she was going to be infatuated with him and not listen to all the clues and facts that Jack and Johnny were trying to give her about this guy. But right now it looks to me as if it'll be Johnny who doesn't believe the facts. That will be pretty obvious, but we'll see. So Alex goes on to say that this killer has already struck twice and that he's sure the killer is a minister or a priest, and that this priest is hunting people that he used to help. Alex also predicts that he'll strike again that night. There is, at this very moment, a serial killer loose in this city. He struck twice, and he'll strike again soon. I'm certain he's a minister or a priest, driven by some twisted religious concept. He now hunts those he once sought to help. By day, he maintains the persona of a man of God, but on some nights, the evil transforms it into... An angel of death. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, the Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. So after the talk, Jack, Johnny, and Mickey meet Alex so he can sign a book for Johnny. Johnny tells him that he's an aspiring writer, but Alex seems more interested in Mickey and asks if she's a writer as well. Mickey tells him she runs an antique store. Alex mentions that he loves antiques and only writes with a pen and paper. So Jerry confronts Alex outside. He wants to know how he knows so much about his brother, and even if his brother did kill these people, he's convinced that Alex was involved. And he did say something about his brother confessed to him, but he doesn't know how Alex knew that. So Alex offers to meet Jerry at a bar later to talk about it, and Jerry agrees. Back at the store, Jack, Johnny, and Mickey talk about the possibility of the new serial killer. Johnny comments that if Alex is right, and it does turn out to be a priest... It'll certainly make some book. Jack looks suspicious, but he always does. So I don't know if that look was anything or not. And I don't know if he's thinking it's an antique already or if he just always looks suspicious when he drinks his coffee or tea or whatever he's drinking. So back at Alex's apartment, he pricks his finger with the pen and begins writing furiously. We see the priest seemingly feeling strange. And it seems as if Alex's writing is telling the priest what to do. So this episode now is sort of like the poison pen in season one. If I remember correctly, the writer wrote down what he wanted to happen to whatever person he was trying to kill. And this kind of sounds like the same thing. So that's disappointing. I'm hoping there is a kind of a different twist to it or something. Because that's kind of disappointing. This is not the first time they've repeated a storyline. So I thought Alex was going to kill Jerry when they met later. But as it turns out, he seems to be sending the priest to kill Jerry. Which I don't know, if it were me who was going to end up investigating the crime, like if I was a cop or something, I, I would think it was a little shady that this guy was the brother of the serial killer who just was executed, and this brother just confronted the writer who sent his brother to prison, 
you know, and Jerry's going to be killed by the serial killer who Alex predicted was out there already. He doesn't really have a criminal mind. It's just shady. People would immediately think that was shady. And, you know, eventually this guy is going to write a book and he, and he's going to be one of the victims who gets killed. Now, I think he should probably pick people to kill that aren't connected to him. That's just me. And so basically, he's writing his books by writing about the killings that haven't happened yet or making the killings happen. So as he's writing, everything he's writing about is happening. So basically, he's writing his books as he's making people do the things that he's writing about which gives him all the information about all the crimes, which means he can solve another crime and write another book. But I also think it would have been better. I mean, yeah, he made the priest a serial killer the day before he met Jerry. Wouldn't it be better if he made Jerry the serial killer because his brother was a serial killer? And, and it would prove the point he was making in his talk that it ran in the family. So that might even make him more famous that he came up with this concept that it runs in the family. I don't know. So as Alex is writing, we see Jerry walking down an alley. Why is every path to get everywhere in this town down an alley? I never saw so many alleys. So the priest shows up and shoots Jerry, and he shoots him a lot. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believeth in me shall never die. Alex writes that this was the first time a killer had contacted him directly, and we see the priest going to a payphone. The next day, Mickey tells Jack about the murder and that the victim was Jerry, Clint's brother. She also mentions that Dent is going to be holding a press conference later that day because he claims the killer contacted him. Jack is suspicious, and this time I'm sure because he actually says that something's wrong with all this. He sends Mickey to pick up Johnny, who at this point I thought would be living in Ryan's room since he said his apartment was being turned into condos at the beginning of the season. I figured that's where they were going, but so far he's still living elsewhere. But he wants them to go talk to Dent again, and Jack is going to search for Dent's name in the manifest. Mickey and Johnny are questioned by Dent's man at the press conference because they're not members of the press. They say they want to ask Dent where he was at the time of the murder, but his man supplies an alibi. Mickey sees that Dent was listening to their questions from behind a door in the room. So when the press conference starts, the cop starts talking, but Dent takes over the press conference. He reports that the killer asked to meet him later that night. The conference is being televised, and we go to a woman watching him. She seems to know him, but not as Alex Dent, and it doesn't seem like she has any love for this guy. So I think her name's Marion. It's hard because sometimes they don't tell us the name in the show. In the credits on IMDb, they either don't have a photo or the photo there is recent, which oftentimes looks very different than they looked in the episode. But this actress was also the actress who played the artist De Jagger in A Friend to the End. She was the one who got away with the shard of Medusa. After the presser, the detective reads Alex the riot act about all the information he released and because he was treating it like it was publicity for his new book. The cop is also suspicious of him. He's been looking into Dent's work, and he also thinks Dent knows more than than he lets on. So I think we might have found either our next victim or the next serial killer right there with that cop. Back at the store, Johnny tells Jack and Mickey that Dent didn't exist anywhere that he could find before his last three books were published. Johnny also tells them that in all of Dent's books, the killer doesn't remember committing the crimes, which is not the profile of your typical serial killer. Jack did find an author in the manifest named Billy Frazier. He purchased a pen from Uncle Lewis, 
but Jack can't find him in the writer's directory. Is that a thing? Is there such a thing as a writer's directory? He's not listed in the manifest. The only author I can find there is a Billy Fraser. Lewis sold him a pen, but I can't find him in any of the writer's directories I've got. Do you think he could be the same guy? You mean he might be using a pseudonym, a pen name? So Jack wonders if this might be the same guy. He mentions that he might be using a pen name. Mickey volunteers to go to talk to Bradley, Dent's man. Again, they're sending Mickey alone to talk to someone who's close to the suspect. While Johnny and Jack go to Eastside and look around. So I guess Eastside is the place where Dent is supposed to meet the killer. Jack and Johnny arrive as the police are putting the wire on Alex. And Alex heads off to meet the killer. But as soon as he's out of sight of the cops, he takes off the wire. And the officers run to the detective and tell him they have to move in because they've lost Alex. So the police run off to find Alex. Alex has the pen out and is writing in his book when the detective finds him. The priest appears and shoots the detective, but Johnny's also there and sees Alex use the pen on the priest after he killed the detective. So the rest of the police show up and Alex claims that the priest came out of nowhere and there was nothing he could do. The priest comes too and doesn't remember anything. Johnny finds Jack and tells him they have to leave and he'll explain everything to him on the way to where I have no idea. So once again, I'm going to talk about all of the police in the series. So Alex takes off his mic. The detective dies without ever telling anyone about his suspicions of Alex, I imagine. Because why share information with the rest of the police force? That's just speculation. Alex is there alone with the priest and the dead detective, and no one even seems to ask what happened to his wire. No one. At the hotel, which earlier I thought was Alex's apartment, Mickey's in the lobby when Alex comes in with Bradley, the guy Mickey's there to talk to. So I was just about to say that Bradley was not going to live through this episode because I figured Alex needed a new killer, but Marion shows up and calls him Billy. He sends Bradley up to their room while he gets reacquainted with an old friend. Old friend air quotes, Marion turns out to be his wife. Alex also sees Mickey watching him and Marion because she's incapable of stealth. Apparently, when Alex was Billy Frazier, his claim to fame was writing what Marion calls sleaze. She threatens to out him unless he shares his newfound riches with her. At this point, I can't tell if Mickey can hear the conversation or not, but Alex takes Marion's address to send her money, which we know is not going to happen. Marion leaves. Mickey and Alex look directly at each other, but Mickey still seems to think he doesn't see her. (laughs) Alex goes through the doorway to the stairs, and Mickey follows, but first picks the sleaze book out of the garbage that Marion brought. The lights go off in the stairway, and instead of going back down to the lobby, Mickey continues up the stairs. I mean, what did she think was going on, seriously? Alex grabs her, knocks her out, and uses the pen on her. So I was hoping that Jack and Johnny would have enough sense to go to Dent's hotel knowing Mickey was there alone, especially after Johnny saw what he saw, but no. They go back to the store. I mean, they have to be smart enough to realize that Alex would be going back there after leaving the crime scene, right? Right? But nope. So Johnny explains everything to Jack at the store. But why didn't he explain it to him in the car? What did they talk about in the car on the way back to the store? The weather? I mean, maybe they could have figured out to go to the hotel before they got back to the store. I don't know. So Jack starts putting the pieces together, and he thinks that maybe Dent is controlling the killers and writing the books in real time. Whereas earlier, he was thinking that he was writing the books after the fact, but he didn't know how he was getting the information. Dent stabbed the chaplain with a pen. I'm not sure what it did, but all of a sudden, he didn't seem to know where he was. And you're sure that Dent was there when the detective was killed? I saw him. You know, we assumed that the books were written after the murders. You're supposing it was the other way around. He wrote it, and then it happened. 
exactly. Yeah, I'm sure that Dent is somehow controlling the chaplain through the pen. Whatever he writes, the man does. So Mickey comes back to the store disheveled. She says someone hit her from behind at Dent's hotel and took her wallet. She thinks she was mugged. I think that's what she thinks, or that's what they think. But really, 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 none of them put two and two together except for Johnny, who does ask if it was Dent, but Mickey says she didn't see anybody. So as Jack walks Mickey up the stairs, he tells Johnny to forget about Dent for the night. They'll go after him the next day. Again, I'm going to say, they do this for a living. Does nobody have a clue? I... I know this show is mostly about the killings and stuff, but come on, let's have some logic here. This is three seasons of them doing this, and they still... Ugh, forget it. Anyway, meanwhile, back at Dent's hotel, he's going through Mickey's wallet and pulls out her license and says, you'll bring me closer to murder than I've ever been, and I really don't know what that means. But I think when he was going through her wallet, there was also a Curious Goods business card in her wallet. I kept pausing it to see it, but I'm pretty sure that that's what it was. So doesn't he realize that that's where he purchased the pen? I mean, I know the names changed, but I have to imagine there's an address on there. I have to imagine there's an address on Mickey's license. I mean, it wouldn't be hard to figure out it's the same place. So he decides Mickey will be a slasher, and he begins to write. So back at the store, Mickey's feeling the effects of Alex's writing and takes a razor from the medicine cabinet. And it's not a disposable or safety razor that was popular back then, but it was the straight razor that Jack was shaving with early in the episode. So Johnny must have gone home for the night. I don't understand why he's not living there yet. And Jack is locking up when Mickey, with the razor behind her back, comes down the stairs to tell Jack about Marion and shows him the book she found. So it's clear that Alex Dent is the Billy Frazier in the manifest. Mickey says goodnight and goes back upstairs. She doesn't attack Jack, but she kept flicking the razor with her thumb until she cut herself. So was that something she did to fight the impulse to kill Jack, or was Jack not her target? I imagined originally that Marion would be her target, but I don't know. I mean, she has to get past Jack to get out the door. So I don't know if that was Mickey trying to overcome the influence of the pen. I mean, is she aware of it? It could be. I don't know. We'll see. When Johnny comes to the store in the morning... Jack tells him he's been reading Frazier's book, the one that Mickey had. He realizes that Dent was obsessed with brutality when he was Frazier, and as Dent, using the pen, he can take his obsession to a whole new level. When they go to wake up Mickey, they find she's gone. Then we see Mickey walking the streets with her razor, and we hear Dent writing. She walks into a bar where Dent is writing. Dent watches as a man buys her a drink. Dent continues writing. Jack and Johnny call around and can't find Mickey anywhere. Jack begins to realize that Mickey might be under the influence of Dent and that she may be his next book. At the bar, Dent watches as Mickey slashes a man's hand and walks away. So Dent writes that now she's ready to kill. Apparently that was a practice run. While Dent and Jack are talking to Bradley at the hotel, they see a news report about the incident at the bar and a police sketch of Mickey. Mickey comes back to the store upset but then continues to write that she's ready to kill. So I don't know if she's upset because of what she did, because the rest of Dent's killers didn't remember what they did, or if she's upset because she doesn't remember leaving the store. But Dent keeps writing, and Mickey seems to be confused about what's happening, which again really doesn't match the other killers. They held their head for a minute, and then they went on to kill whoever. This seems to be like a bigger production than the others. Then Dent names Mickey's first victim, Marion Frazier. Jack and Johnny go back to the hotel looking for Mickey. Dent continues to write about Marion. Mickey arrives at Marion's house and Dent calls Marion to tell her that someone's on the way to give her everything she deserves. Johnny comes up with the idea that Mickey and Dent may be in the same place that Dent might want to witness the kill. 
Jack remembers that Dent's wife might be considered a threat. As Jack and Johnny head for the phone booth, Alex comes down to the lobby and leaves the hotel. Mickey tells Marion that she has to wait for Dent to arrive before she can give her what he sent for her. Jack calls Marion, but Mickey hangs up the phone before he can tell her anything. Mickey takes out a razor, but Marion hits her and runs to the door, but she runs into Alex in the hallway, who holds her as Mickey comes out of the apartment with the blade. Very slowly. Dent drops the pen in the struggle with Marion and then throws Marion down the stairs. Mickey starts down the stairs as well, but suddenly turns and starts after Dent instead. She begins chasing him and slashing at him. Jack and Johnny come in and she goes after them. Jack is able to use the pen he picked up at the bottom of the stairs to pull the evil out of Mickey. She stops fighting and they take her out of the building and back to the store. This building seemed to be an apartment building that Marion lived in. And did no one hear all this commotion? I mean, people are screaming, falling down the stairs, slashing. I never understand this. I never understand in the store why guns are being fired or things are exploding and nobody ever (laughs) seems to notice around the area. So back at the store, Jack tries to tell Mickey that none of it was her fault. Mickey knows what happened, but doesn't remember anything. She knows she killed Dent. But then she slashes Jack's neck. Jeez. (laughs) I mean, I, I knew it was a nightmare, but for a second there, I was like, oh my God. But as I said, it was a nightmare. Jack rushes in to tell her it was just a nightmare and it's all over. But is it? Did some of the evil get left inside of her? I'd like to think they'd continue this storyline, but I'm sure they won't. They do a lot of leaving us hanging or thinking that there's something wrong and then they never come back to it. Like, technically, this is the third time, I believe, they had to use an artifact on Mickey. They had to use the coin to bring her back to life. They had to use the syringe to take the madness out of her. Oh, I can't remember the name of the episode. The father who was trying to cure his daughter. And now they had to use the pen to take the evil out of her. I mean, it's only a matter of time before something sticks, I would imagine. My first question is from a couple episodes back from the second part of the coin that brought her back to life episode was, is she really Mickey? Because Jack never explains why the coin worked on Mickey. And when they bring other people back to life, they're not the same. That was never explained. I'm hoping some of these things will be explained. Or maybe these are just things that they assume nobody would think about. (laughs) But I overthink everything. But I mean, they leave us hanging on some of these things and you're thinking, okay, is there evil still in her? Is that why she's dreaming about slashing Jack? And they never go back to it. So we'll see. So we'll be back next week with Femme Fatale, which is out of order, yes. So we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Bye. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at the warehouse.